I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. KMA Audio Machine's comprehensive range of premium effects pedals are extremely impressive, coupling some of the best-looking graphics and best-sounding circuits with some of the most original reimaginations of classic effects pedals that we've ever seen. From the wild and soaring high-gain distortion of the worm to the classic ripping fuzz tones of the fuzzly bear, Minos and Dead Stag, the swirling phaser of the Astro Spurt, the treble to full range, stock her treble booster, the synthy octaves of the Moyai Mayer and the Queequeg, to the incomparably expansive wash of delays and verbs from the Cirrus and the uniquely controlled mid-accentuated drive of the incredibly dynamic Logan. The list is comprehensive, and every pedal offers something original and unique to KMA's penchant for extreme controllability. Available worldwide from leading guitar effects pedal dealers, and for more info, check out kma-machines.com. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. This is the 271st episode. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by the marvellous Matt Knight. Hello. And the gyrating J-Cross. Excuse me? Well, that's what I imagine you're doing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're probably not a million miles away. It's been a really nice day today. I had the day off work. Um, I uh, went down. I went for a run this morning, which was really hard work because I actually I forgot to have dinner last night. Ooh. Um, so burning I, off your uh, your fat supplies. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of which I have many. Uh, but yeah, no. I went went out for a run this morning. That was really hard work, and um, and then it was a really lovely day. So I went and sat on the beach and drank a couple of beers. Oh, how and, lovely! Uh, yeah, nice. blooming lovely. Nice, wonderful. What did you do today, Matt? Worked. Uh, I went for I did actually go for a run this morning Um, I've been tending to my garden been growing some uh, some vegetables and some flowers Um, well done Joe you held that together marvellously I have to say (laughs) and uh, yeah apart from that things are looking good so um speaking of running matty and i have kind of got a uh a bit of a friendly a bit of a i'd say a a runoff i'd say a very a very friend very very friendly rivalry going on with our with our running at the moment a runny Um, rivalry and like 
we so we're both we're, we're friends on one of the running apps and yeah so anytime one of us does a run we get a notification that the other one's done it and so we have just found each other constantly being like oh no i've got to go out for another run because it's it's incredible it's it's been <laughs> such a great motivator yeah um have and... you ever thought about just like um going out on a scooter or something like that I've with seen the a lot app of people on, on and just like is recently in, in turn, order to get your score up, turning yeah. the turning the thing on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that is no, that is a great idea, and I might I might have to do that because I've just seen that actually Matt is on uh, 104 kilometers for the month, and I'm only on 98, so I have got a little bit of catching up to do. Although I've been running a little bit faster, so you know we're 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 more or less even. But yeah, we we both did about 150 kilometers last month. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. It's it's uh, like this is because people keep saying to me like, oh yeah, but I bet you're looking forward to there being races and stuff again. It's like I don't I don't care about races. I like I run for myself, and also now to beat matt so like that's <laughs> that's what i'm into <laughs> and uh we're all just trying to beat yoshi um, oh of course yeah 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 yoshi the president of boss yoshi the president of boss also incredible runner yeah um just yeah i've put some some serious distance in but it's been that's the, been the good thing i think working from home getting a bit oh. more running in that's uh, good. balancing in you know adding a bit more guitar playing yeah especially during the day you know, I sit next to all my guitars. At least I can kind of sit and, you know, tinker around for a little bit. I, well, I'm the same, think? actually. I'm the, I'm the same. I think I, I've been playing a lot more bass just because it's just there next to me. And I just pick it whenever I'm like, you know, oh, I've got I've got a call in five minutes. It's like, well, there's no point in me doing anything. I'll, I'll, play, I'll pick up my bass and just play bass for a bit. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's been it's been good. What guitars do you have sort of um, immediately available to you, Matt? What what ones do you have I, um, out and about? I I well because I didn't used to work from home. I used to work in the office. Come home and I'd probably only play guitar like once or twice a week. You know, like in the evening, it'd have to be like an actual like effort to like plug stuff in rather than just sit and play anything unplugged. I've been trying to switch through all my guitars so i've got three wall hangers and then a five-way guitar stand and i'm trying to like rotate them round. um but i have been gravitating towards the nick huber more than anything really um at the moment especially where it's so hot some guitars that have slightly sticky necks <laughs> you know just kind of get a bit stuck so, what, the, so what's um, the what's the neck on on the huber yeah i assume it's, it's satin, a satin yeah it's, it's unfinished uh, right. mahogany oh okay so it's like oh, almost like raw wait, mahogany. So are the sides and the back of the guitar also matching? In in a sort uh, well, of raw so mahogany? what's weird? And I was looking because it's the other a day it's a set neck. The Huber. It's it's a set neck. Uh, yeah, it's a set neck. Uh, it's mahogany with with a rosewood fretboard, and then the binding is maple. Um, That's such a lovely combo. I think it's actually. Do you remember those limited edition Fender Jazzmasters that had the inlaid fretboard? Are you talking hmm. about the uh, channel bound? Channel bound, that was it. Yes, I've channel got a feeling it's just almost done the same way. Um, but it's been good to just actually play them unplugged. <laughs> not, not even plug them in, just sort of like actually just sit there and play guitar. In fact, I've been using the Wilds Rares a little bit, but what um, What guitar do you nice. find to be the most resonant? Now, like unplugged resonant. The Huber is very good, but um still the music man is 
an absolute dream to play. Um, just one of those guitars that you just like, yeah, you go, I've got five minutes before a meeting and then you're like, oh no, my meeting started five minutes ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the Huber and the, and the, um, the Nick Huber and the Music Man are definitely what, the two. What's two the name of ones. the Huber model? Uh, the Krautster. That's it. Um, I didn't also I I knew these guitars are the the Krauts is relatively expensive it's the cheapest one in their range it's not like insanely expensive but but the Hoobers don't really start you know yeah I mean they're like affordable price point you know what you'd expect for a boutique handmade guitar but I mean some of their models the Dolphin is like seven grand I think they start at wow yeah yeah they they do an amazing like big body um uh bass as well like a an yeah. f holeless single cut sort of almost jazz body big bass which is like a dream with a big chrome pickup in the middle it looks so amazing but starts at about five grand so i'm like yeah oh, i think um if i could afford if i could afford another one um i would be super tempted for the Surfmeister, which is their sort of this one's almost like a more uh tele-shaped top bound uh with a bigsby and a couple of tv jones it's yeah, that sounds cool. Is yeah. that actually a bolt on as well? Uh, no, it's a set neck. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a set neck, um, which I think is which is very very cool. Uh, I was looking at Rock and Roll Relics the other day as well. I was like, oh, God. man, Rock and Roll Relics aren't a brand that we talk about enough on uh, this podcast because they are absolutely wonderful. Like as a as as a brand that are predominantly obviously Gibson alternatives, that they, they are. It's, they are absolutely worth every penny. They look incredible. Yeah, I um, I just remember I was looking through some old photos and I remember their booth. They had what they call the Lightning model, which is like a three three five. Um, yeah, couple oh, of yeah, TV. With the, yeah, yeah, with the with the Lightning mm. F holes. Well, yeah. not F holes, <laughs> L holes. And, and uh, they did a shell pink one, and I was just like, oh man, I just oh really? Good. But oh. I tell you, I and I I text everyone in the um in our sort of guitar nerds group um the other day but i've just been i've really i just really want a gretch i really want a white pal a penguin or a white falcon which and I've wait but which one you've one. got to choose you got, is it a white this, penguin this or a white thing. falcon i i really think um if i sat down and played one it would just be whatever one played the best um and whatever I could find, there's a there's a very particular white penguin that I'm after, which is a model they don't make anymore, which has different pickups in it. Right. Um, so the current one has the the filtertrons, but they did a different one, and I can't remember the name of the actual pickup, but they're like black with gold um, pickup screws. So I, I think it's I think they're still TV Jones, but maybe it's like the Powertron or something. They're slightly smaller, um, and they just look wicked. But if I had to go for a white Falcon, I was looking at loads and I was like, when when you buy one secondhand and the white's gone slightly off colour, yes, they look so much better than they do like brand new when they've gone like a tiny bit yellow. Um, and I'd have to get one without a Bigsby. I was looking at it and I was like, Bigsby's cool, but I'm just like, it'd, be, just, be, it'd just be a nose. I just felt like, just get a hardtail one. They are, they they the are a pain. Bridge. I mean, they're not. I mean, depending on what you get, obviously, if you're getting a, uh, if you're getting a, a, a historic one, like a you know a, a proper, um, 
uh, vintage correct one, then they've got the really annoying Bigsby. But there are uh, there are like modern style where you don't have to go up and over and up and over and round the corner and down to the shop and back up again before you can, you know, string it up. Um, yeah. So it's not there are ways around it. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting a if you're getting a uh, a penguin, then it's yeah. got yeah. It um it did all um you know when you sort of fall down a bit of a a guitar hole, you're just like oh, just looking at all these nice guitars, and uh, it really came down from i was on the gack website because they currently have a master built uh g6136t 59 falcon relic so it's a steven stern wow yeah. relic falcon in seafoam green and it yeah, just looks I saw this absolutely incredible the relicking on this particular model is absolutely yeah. unbelievable the lacquer checking is in- incredible it just um, it just looks so good the sort it's of, just yeah. horrendously expensive how, how much is it because i did see they they shot a lovely it's, little video of this the other day and i was like that is one of the best looking guitars i've ever seen but i didn't see a price tag for Ten thousand. <laughs> but in What's fact the model? actually i'll What's tell you the what model? they have got right now they have got a master built duo jet uh which has got the same pickups that i'd like in a penguin which i'm just trying to have a look and see if i can find what they are called it's just they're not like normal ones no oh seymour duncan the dinosonics that's it dinosonics Dinosonics. uh yeah penguin with dinosonics but the i don't know the full differences between the things like the duo jet and the penguin i'm sure there's some body shape differences i don't know if the duo jet's solid and maybe the penguin is uh hollow but i'd I'd have something like this happily any day just well, that the, kind of the duo jet i mean it's in it's in lake placid blue as well which obviously is quite unusual to see aggression mm. it really works it's 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 a great yeah. color for those but um in fact actually i tell you one that's that's really nice which is i think still a current model jay might know off the top of his head is the um stephen stills they do an aged white white falcon um which is a more reasonable price <laughs> uh which I, I guess those ones are made in japan but um yeah they, they, there's some great ones out there but i'm just like it's the one tr- bucket list guitar i've never actually owned like i'd love to have like a 335 or you know a 59 les paul or whatever but i've always wanted a white falcon you have and... spoken about them for some time i really think that's a niche you should scratch yeah I'm, I'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait till i go to until you're gonna Japan. wait until uh your mate who you know who's got some good contacts <laughs> in terms of uh bringing in some japanese guitars that's uh, that's the one exactly the one. that yeah yeah <laughs> You know, you know, Matt. There's uh, been in Gak for for a little while and and still in stock. That was there back when I was there. But there's um, they've got one of the. In fact, it could well be a different one. Obviously, it doesn't have to be the same. This isn't a specially custom shop. But the Gretsch. Um, uh, how did how does it supposed to be said? Is it sixty one twenty eight? Is that how we're Six, supposed to do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So the they've got a a G sixty one twenty eight T, which is the George Harrison signature duo jet. Um, which is, is absolutely fantastic in every way, shape, and form. Um, you know, just a, a gorgeous like jet black top, and then you've got sort of the mahogany back and sides yeah. to the jet. Yeah, but, um, I would um, super cool. 
Yeah, Gretsch. I, I just, I mean, when I went to Japan, last time I went to Japan, down the sort of main street, there was a, Gre- a, a Gretsch specific main street, dealer. Main Street Japan. Main Street Japan. Yeah, yeah. Street One <laughs> Japan. Um, and uh, they were specifically like just a Gretsch dealer. They must right. have had like 150 Japanese built Gretsches on the wall. Wow, which is like, amazing. Oh, wow. man. There's um speaking of Gretsch and sort of carrying on the the, the stock at GAC, which is what we've ended up doing. Actually, this is this has been sold, but uh, I remember shortly before I left, I got to um, I got to demo the Gretsch Dwayne Eddy, which is the base six uh, yeah. that they do. Like the uh, so yeah, like a uh, I think I don't think is it a thirty inch scale? I can't remember if it's actually a thirty inch scale or maybe a twenty seven, but. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe I think it was a 30 inch scale because it was a full base six, wasn't it? Yeah, so it would be Bigsby mounted, like double cut, big hollow body Gretsch. Um, and it just, they sound absolutely ridiculous. It has the big, you know, when they have like the G cut into the sort of upper lower bout of the mm. guitar? Um, yeah, very, very cool. Oh. Um, speaking of speaking of, uh, of base sixes, I, I, I don't think I mentioned this the other day, but I'm like, oh, maybe. It, did we talk about it? I, so I watched um, Enter the Dragon for the first time. I'd never seen it before. Did we talk about this on the podcast? No, I don't. D- yeah, we did. We talked. Did, did we? we talk about it or did we just? Yeah. Anyway, it, so I watched Enter the Dragon uh, on a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and like, I don't really know much about Bruce Lee. And uh, a like an advert came up being like, oh, there's, check out this documentary on Bruce Lee. It's really good. And my girlfriend, who's like, it, like she's a bit of a film buff um she she was like oh if you've never seen enter the dragon we should watch that and i tell you what the soundtrack to enter the dragon like just like the incidental music is so good there's like bits where there's like just a basics just like plodding along like a weird little bass line whilst there's like sort of creepy stuff going on bruce lee like sneaking around a cave looking for people and there's bits where there's like there's just a theremin playing and th- like honestly, the the like incidental and mood music throughout that movie was absolutely incredible. So you know, as well as it being a wicked movie, um, just th- some of some of the stuff cool that's going on in the background there, I and it really made me think, oh, maybe I should get a base six <laughs> so I can just like put it through a bunch of reverb pedals and just pretend that I too am in a kung fu movie. <laughs> They are a lot of fun, base sixes. I, I I still I've still been meaning to get that obvious mod, the Mustang bridge, um, to sort out the bridge issues with my base six. I still still have yet to do that, which I think makes me play it less. Because of course that you know, those the other the older bridge um really wasn't cracking. Something that's been fixed, because I've got the old Squire vintage modified. Now since that range has been changed to the Squire Classic vibe, that is in fact something that they have rectified. So yeah. now, listener, if you purchase the most affordable base six you can buy, it's actually fantastic. Like no mods required. That would be an amazing base six. Just need, like, we- it, just need to get it repainted into, you know, a real colour. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Pink. Wait. Oh yeah, I guess you could I mean, <laughs> yeah, that you know you, it is even though I'm not actually like I I love objectively I really like shell pink, but I I don't think I'd ever play a, a shell pink guitar or bass except for maybe in the case of the bass 6 because it just looks so incredibly cool in shell pink, which of course the bass player in Jay as you introduced me to and we've spoken about before football etc. Yeah. Um uh, she plays a a, a a shell pink bass 6. 
incredibly cool a very cool guitar indeed custom shot one i think isn't it, it yeah is custom shot one oh yeah, yeah. i yeah, think yeah. she was playing that before squire or I just, uh, what was the first reissue it was the fender um, the uh vintage modified was no the... no no that oh was there the, was a was there was a japanese one actually no no it was there was a it was the fender one that had the humbucker in a p90 housing in the bridge that part I, of that that was uh that was just was i don't think that was um modern player i think it, no because that was uh yeah, mexican made guitar yeah. um yeah. and so player? that would have just been like the classic player series i guess but no, no actually no. it was, it was oh, a God. modern player i think it was because it was such a because it was like a different pickup selection like you didn't have the individual um yeah, pickup yeah, buttons you had a, like a, a, th- a five-way or something yeah 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 i can't remember that was a very weird guitar very weird guitar it was weird but i kind of feel like that was the guitar that fender were sort of testing the water with that have you know all, all these years later led to the um you know led to there being so many bass sixes back and back a, a, about in in both fender ranges and kind of across the board from loads of other brands as well do you know what i i searched i was doing uh something for a guitar nerds video um that i'm editing at the moment i'm doing a little i'm doing some bass videos at the moment i wanted to do something that i actually cared about so uh <laughs> <laughs> so i'm doing i'm doing this thing on like i'm doing a little series on short scale um basses and 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 uh, another little series on short scale bass players as well but um i was uh i was like i i google searched fender bass six players to see, like you know, who would co- who are the most famous people to play a play a bass six, and uh, and I am one of the uh, image no, search you're results. Not. <laughs> I, I am I'm it, just on an image search, so it does it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but because I got because I got like the first demo out for the for the modern player bass six that we're talking about. I mean, I, I couldn't play it, but at the time. <laughs> I think at the time that we did that video for Gak, I was I didn't really play guitar back then. Like when we started at Gak, I, I really wasn't a guitarist at all. I was only a bass player, and uh, so I did the va- bass six video. But I basically couldn't play with a plectrum, and I couldn't really fret on a neck that small. And so it was awful. It was some. It was one of the worst demos you'll ever see. But the uh, a still from that is still made its way into sort of easily the top ten pictures. Of uh, goodness me, goodness yeah, me. terrible, um, terrible. Have you just out of interest, without sorry if this is a horrible spoiler, but have you no? included uh, Tina Weymouth from Talking Heads in your oh. uh, uh, your short scale bass players video? So, funny, funny that you mentioned that, but actually, um, because she's had such an incredible range of short scale basses, like if I kind of think there's like bill her bill wyman and jack bruce were short scale bass players that that had lots of different like they're not known for just one they played lots of lots of different ones so um i so i i actually thought well this is actually a really cool kind of story in itself so whilst i'm still putting out the videos on i'm doing sort of my favorite like cool weird affordable um, short scale bases and then I'm doing another one on like the most legendary short scale bases but I s- decided to do a little series I can't I'm, I haven't decided whether it's going to be top fives yet or if I'm just going to focus on it I, I probably will just focus on an individual for each video and just do a like you know the cool instruments of and I wanted to do Tina Weymouth as, as one of the first ones because when it comes to you know i am a big fan of short scale bass a big fan of talking heads as well but she had some incredibly cool instruments like she was you know one of the players playing the gibson 
uh, Les Paul Triumph bass. Do you oh, remember yeah, those? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, are yeah. just it, incredibly cool. And then there's like she did some cool things with like a an old Hofner club bass. Um, where I like the the only things I'd seen were some video footage of it, but it looks like she's fitted cloth underneath the floating bridge on a um, on a an old Hofner club bass, which is very interesting. And then um, she had the uh, competition stripe Mustang bass. Yeah, that's where that's she, the one that I always because uh, that's from uh, that, like she plays it in that in that video that. The, the I can't remember what song, but um, yeah, exactly, that exactly that. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, super cool, super cool collection of bases. Uh, you know, and, along with and it seems to be something potentially that short scale bass players, I guess, maybe did maybe flip from bass to bass throughout their time. Um, and yeah, there are definitely some super interesting ones. Found some footage of her playing a uh, one of the headless Strandberger basses as well. Steinberger. Uh, Steinberger. Steinberger. <laughs> yes. That is a, Steinberger. That's a, that's a mixed match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, super cool. So yes, yeah, well, well spotted, Jay. That's exactly nice. what I'm going to do. Um, anyway, actually, before because this is still, of course, the intro of the podcast. Before we move any further, um, I should introduce our new patrons for this week. Um, so uh, hello to uh, and and thank you for joining to Christian Christian Avila. Uh, welcome, Christian. I got that, I got that name right. And also entering at our at our top tier at our executive producer tier. Cloud Lifter. Um, there you go. So those two. I'm not. No. No fake names this week, yeah, guys. I was say, are, Mark, Mark Packham might be laughing at this point, but uh, it's <laughs> a real name. Those are both legitimate. So yes, yeah. Nobody's so, so called Christian. Back. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yes. Yeah, so uh, so hello, hello, and welcome. Anyway, um, I did say I. Did, you know, I put out a post and said this week I thought. Um, you know, because we weren't going to have Mark this week, it would be great if we could take some questions from the group. Um, just for Matt and for Jay, so we could talk about uh, talk about you two. Now that we don't have, you know, the great eclipsing land. the eclipsing head of Mark Packham there, uh, um, so sort of taking up all the airtime. But before we he do that, we should. Head, in fairness, he, he, <laughs> it is it is disproportionate. Yeah. We should, of course, talk about this week. It is I didn't think we, this was going to happen. How has this happened again? We thought when. That that fella from Microsoft bought Jimi Hendrix White Strat for two million quid. We thought that that's surely going to be the most expensive guitar ever uh, to be purchased until last year, when of course we had Dave Gilmore's Black Strat um, go for uh, an absolutely whopping three point eight million dollars. But it's just been absolutely smashed out of the park by the newest, most expensive guitar ever to be sold and it's Kurt Cobain's Nirvana MTV Unplugged guitar um let's talk I, about that I was thinking about this quite a lot and it made me realize how much more important Kurt Cobain is to guitar playing more than David Gilmore. I think. I think David Gilmore's guitar oh, is so. Yeah, I. I think David Joe has Gilmore, just hung up and he's walked out. No, of the room. I think. I think this. You know, and we say this. We, you know, we've we've talked about you know people like Slash and stuff before. David Gilmore is 
um, you know, my hero. Don't get me wrong, it's an absolute hero of mine. But I, I don't think, you know, after a certain point, they're, they're, they gained less new fans and there was much more of the kind of solid fan base that they'd already had that carried through all the way to now. But no, I don't think they've had as big an impact on pop culture. Yeah. As Kurt Cobain. And I think, you know, you've got people wondering, I mean, you've got Nirvana t-shirts. People wearing Nirvana t-shirts probably don't even know who Nirvana is. I don't think you'd necessarily get that on Pink Floyd. I I don't know. I um, I think... you know, places like Primark sell Nirvana T-shirts just as much as they sell uh, Dark Side like, of the Moon. Dark yeah, Side of the Moon well, t-shirts. probably the wall more than Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, but maybe. yeah, but but I just, I don't know. I think the guitar reached that value not because of the guitar it, it is, but because of the person who played it. Where I think the Black Strat reached that value and definitely a, a worthy value because of how iconic the guitar is. I don't think. It was the the guitar the that guitar made this value. No, it's no. Kurt Cobain. That yeah, and and I, so funnily enough, Matty. I, so I, I mentioned that I was uh, I went to the beach earlier. I, I was actually I was actually with Packham, and we were sat outside of to to make this conversation even more relevant. We were sat outside of Dave Gilmore's house because he is having a house built in Brighton. And um, we were, yeah, we were literally sat outside whilst they're whilst they're working on it. Not like waiting for him or anything. That's just did, a part of the beach that we like to go to. Did you um, see? Did you see him surfing? No, again? no, didn't see him surfing. Not this time. But we <laughs> we were we were talking about it and um, talking about uh, just kind of the relevance of different, you know, a subject that I bring up quite a lot and I really like talking about the the, the relevance of guitar players within kind of their sphere of influence and and actually what how we got to it was we were believe it or not me and mark were talking about the ramones and um just about how you know outside of kind of the the world of like of like people that are into punk music and uh kind of people that are into music very specifically you know i'm not sure that the ramones are a particularly well-known band you know, like my parents wouldn't be able to name a Ramones song. Like, would he, would any of your parents be able to, if if you said like, can you name me a Definitely song? Definitely not my parents. Or can you can you name me like one of the people that are in the Ramones? And you think about it, like Johnny Ramone, it's like he, they they moved like rock and roll music forward in in a way that like very few other bands ever had. Like you know they they basically invent they they kind of brought punk to the masses you know they didn't invent it but like they brought that to like they brought this new style of music into the mainstream and like people won't have heard of that and dave gilmore i think and and pink floyd as a whole did something similar but like what they were doing was they were very very good at playing a type of music that kind of already existed and i think that nirvana did something similar but they did it at a time when the idea of like the celebrity was more important than the the band themselves and um you know cobain is is massive and like hugely hugely influential uh and no i i completely agree with you i'm not surprised that this guitar has sold for sold for more money than the uh than than the than the black strat and actually i think that it's uh it's it's well deserved because I think that the, this guitar is used on. I mean, it's certainly my favorite Nirvana album. That Unplugged in New York album is just—it's unbelievable. It's so so good, and uh, really shows off 
like Nirvana's kind of musical. It shows them for being a, a really good and diverse band. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think, yeah, I, we were talking about this. I was talking about it with a, a friend earlier, actually. I'm just like, you got to think that record was what, 1993, 1994? It was 94, yeah. 94. And we were talking about, because uh, we were talking about Steve I, um, we were saying that Passion and Warfare was like this, you know, the, I think the pinnacle of like the shred guitar album, you know, and that was 1990. And then you know, Nevermind comes along and they're just like, you don't need to be able to shred to play guitar. Yeah, and, and, and be I think in a band. And, and I think it's play guitar to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I think it encouraged, it probably, he probably encouraged more people to play guitar than, I'd say the only, in my opinion, the only person who's probably come close as a recognisable person is Slash in terms of bringing people to play guitar and still brings people to playing guitar Today. I I think that's probably the case for people kind of of our generation, but mm. you know, even think back to when we were working at GAC together. Guitar Nerds is brought to you in association with Faith Guitars. Based right here in the UK, Faith Guitars are designed by British guitar luthier Patrick James Eggle, who has been hand building guitars for decades for some of the biggest names in the business. Founded in 2002, Faith Guitars have been voted the UK's best acoustic guitars five times in a row by both the public and panels of music industry experts, so you can be confident in your new Faith Guitar. Like all quality acoustics, Faith Guitars are made of all solid tone wood, so you can be sure they'll start off sounding great and improve year on year. Faith don't use laminated woods. But you'll be pleased to know that despite the all solid tone woods, the superb specification and handmade construction, Faith Guitars are still affordable, with prices starting at around £450 or $600. US Discover the range at faithguitars.com and then visit one of the many UK or European retailers to try them for yourself. But hold up! If you're in the USA or Canada, you can buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and by using the coupon code NERDS at the checkout, you can get an exclusive 10% discount. So, in the UK and Europe, check out the guitars at your local dealer or faithguitars.com. But for North American listeners, Buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and use the coupon code NERDS for a special 10% off at the checkout. That's USA coupon code NERDS at the checkout. Faith Guitars, award-winning acoustics designed right here in the UK. One of the most popular Ernie Ball Music Man models, the John Petrucci Majesty, is being expanded with four brand new striking finishes. Now offered in Pink Sand, Red Phoenix, Smoked Pearl and Ember Glow, the 2020 Majesty features a lightweight Akume body, signature Dimasio Rainmaker and Dreamcatcher pickups, and an onboard piezo bridge system that gives the guitar a focused and highly versatile versatile palette of tones. Head to music-man.com to learn more. That's music-man. Now, back to the show. I'm not sure necessarily that people were in there because they were, I don't think they were in there buying their first guitar because 
because they wanted to be like Slash or because they wanted to be like Kirk Bain. Uh, maybe Kirk Bain actually, but really, I think that the the new start, the the new era of Guitar Heroes is people like Taylor Swift, is people like Ed Sheeran. You know, those Absolutely. are the people that are driving the and um, Billie Eilish as well. You know, those are people who are driving new guitar players to pick up new and young guitar players to pick up guitar for the first time and that is fine and it's great you know i didn't pick up the guitar because i wanted to be like dave gilmore i picked up the guitar because i wanted to be like noodles from the offspring do you know what i mean like because that was the music that i was into when i was 12 and still am thank you very much joe before you get in there (laughs) um but you know it it doesn't matter why you pick up a guitar it doesn't matter why you get into this sort of stuff um, and I'm sure that there will be people out there saying, oh, it's an outrage that this is sold for blah, 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 blah. But you're, to go back to your original point, you're completely right. And Kurt Cobain is is hugely influential and not just for his work as a guitar player, uh, just kind of bringing people into rock music. Yeah. Um, I think um, the, the other thing that I think is, is very good about this, so... It sold, yeah, for... Um, Is it like $6 million or something? $6 million, Six. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Julian's auction um, in Beverly Hills. It was uh, it was estimated to sell for $1 million. $1 million. Which, yeah, yeah so but they always do that, don't they? they? Oh, of course, of course. I, I, you know, I had no idea at the time. I didn't think it would ever get up to that. Um, mm. But it was bought by Peter Friedman, who is the owner of Rode Microphones, so the grandson i think or the i think the grandson no the son of the founder of uh, road microphones um and friedman electronics and um not someone i would have expected uh, i certainly would have, i so when i read that i was like oh wow it's you know it's bought by someone in the industry yeah um, that's really cool you know because you know the gilmore and i'm sure he's a lovely guy and he's got a great collection the guy that bought the gilmore strat and stuff but you know he's gone I want to tour this guitar around galleries and around art spaces, you know, with all of the proceeds going to help artists to help highlight the plight of artists worldwide. And then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to use that money as well. So yeah, it's, it's like, it's, I want this to be a positive chapter in the guitar's life. His, his statement about it has, has been fantastic. And I also thought it was really uh, <laughs> hard to talk about people being humble when they've just sort of <laughs> spent six million pounds on a crappy old acoustic. But... Um, it was a very humble statement, and um, and you know what was nice is he also turned up. At the, he went to the auction in person rather than bidding, sort of you know. Yeah, that is that proxy is, or I definitely online. would. If I was that rich and I was bidding, I was like, I'd, I'd want to be in the room. None of this, yeah. none of this phone bidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd want to be in there. Um, but what's what's crazy if you think about it as well? That will be the tax-free um, hammer down price. So there'll be commission on top of that so the the auction house will likely take a commission probably 10 to 20 percent yeah that's how, that's how it works in this country well. it might not be the same in the i in, think it's in i think it's similar but yeah if you know that's always the thing you see, go to an auction you're like oh i got it for a hundred quid and it's like oh actually <laughs> i've got to pay tax and commission on top of that um but yeah i'm, I'm excited i'm excited to see it in you know galleries or spaces where you know it will benefit musicians especially at a time now when we kind of need that yeah Yeah. lovely lovely that such an iconic instrument isn't just going into some rich guys sort of collection behind doors you know nice that it's actually going to still be a a part of um 
you know, public life, as it were. Yeah, I wonder what Kirk Bain would have made of it had mm. he been able to like see it sell for that much money. I mean, it, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he would have thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But um, and it does raise the question: Who, what guitar? What could what be guitar? that? What will be next? Because I, I, the, I thought the one that springs to mind as an iconic guitar is Brian May's guitar. Oh, the and I the, was uh, like, and then again, I was like, the Red Special. Yeah, the Red Special. And then I was like, but has he had the same one? In, no. In, he, he's, well, yeah, has he, he has. Had, yeah, he has had the same one. The same one. No, I was thinking, has he had the same impact that Kurt Cobain's had? And that's again, just going back to that you know the value of kirk bain the only other one i could think of or would potentially be slash you know his 58 les paul maybe mm. i think also uh springsteen's uh esquire the esquire yeah, yeah. The, that's the, yeah. because that is like got a great bruce story bruce, bruce yeah it's got a great story and also bruce springsteen is a like level of rock star that is just unfathomable by yeah. most you, you, you can't you can't understand how big he is and how popular he is I and think... like the and also more importantly how like you know his his fans are kind of generally of a of a, of a certain age and uh, and therefore have got a you know got a little bit of money knocking about so i, yeah. I, I i'm not sure that that guitar would go for six million dollars maybe not but i reckon it would go for a lot yeah but i think yeah. um it says a lot about kirk Cobain's value to people when his cardigan sold for like yeah. three hundred thousand I mean, dollars or something it's a great, ridiculous. It's a great cardigan, but uh, <laughs> speaking well, okay. So other other guitars that that are iconic and and are going to sell for a load of money. We of course the Kurt Cobain um, auction the, eclipsed yeah. the Prince Blue Angel uh, auction. The the his um, cloud guitar. How the much did that go for? Cloud guitar. It, it happened only two days prior to this, and it it sold for only well, it's still a massive amount of money, but five hundred thousand dollars. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Everyone was saving their money for the Kirk Cobain auction. I think <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Really, really poor timing. Really poor time. I've done that with gigs in the past. I it's think, a nightmare. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a number of factors. I mean, obviously, with any auction, if there's two people who really want it, oh, yeah, it will always drive the price super high because when you've got that level of wealth, you, you, I was a hundred grand if you're a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, so I think if two people want something um that always drives it up you know and i i just think again he's just him as a player of his time it it just stands out more such an iconic image of him just sort of sitting there in that unplugged studio and 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 sort of doing that yeah it's definitely an um, image that's kind of i guess burnt into the retinas and, and of, of pop culture think, and then you think like the most expensive painting ever sold was 155 million you kind of go hmm yeah. 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 If someone could spend 155 billion on a painting, then six million for a guitar kind of seems pretty pretty small um at that point. But I wouldn't be surprised, Jay, as you said, in 20, 30 years' time, it'll be an Ed Sheeran guitar or it'll be something that Taylor Swift played or something like that, you know, but that next that next generation of guitar players. Yeah, yeah, and long may it continue. You know, long may it Absolutely. Uh, I, I hope that it gets to a point where the, the Joe you know, Branton Stonefield. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Six million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only because the economy's collapsed and like a loaf of bread is seven million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh, indeed. Dear. Anyway, so um, so I uh, moving on from the Kurt Cobain guitar. I, I last week before the weekend, I asked the members of the Guitar Nerds Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. Um, I asked them for any questions that they would like to ask either both of you, Matt and Jay, or one or the other. So I've got a little list together of those questions. I just thought we could go through them and kind of, you know, dig deeper into the the heart and soul and minds of uh, of the two of you. Um, Joe, can I just jump in and say uh, it's... Uh, Baja Telecaster and Blues Junior. Thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> not, me- not mentioned that much recently. It's certainly been one that's been less mentioned. Yeah. I, I sold my Baja Teddy recently. Disgraceful. Well, yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, let's uh, let's start Jay off with these with these questions. Um, and I guess staying on that theme, one of the one of the first questions that was asked Jay on on this list was, "What is your favourite Fender amplifier?" Uh, my favourite Fender amp. Um, so I've got a Princeton, which I really like. A tw- uh, it's a, an FSR model that's got a twelve-inch speaker, uh, which I just I've always thought that sounded better than a ten-inch speaker, um, and that's always kind of what's put me off buying a Princeton in the past. But I, uh, I, I guess really. I mean, one of my favourite... It's so difficult because there's so many. And actually, I could just probably say Blues Junior, but that's that's not, not really true in this case. Um, I tell you, one of the amps that I that I think is discontinued and I absolutely loved was the old uh, 410 Hot Rod DeVille's. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh man, they sounded so good, so so good. And um, basically anything big like that, I'm super into. Like, I, I'd love to have a super reverb at some point. Um, and I mean, I've never, I've never seen one, but like the Super Six as well. Have you seen that? It's a, uh, no. it's a six by twelve. Um, Do you not remember? We had one of those secondhand. A Super Six. In Gat. I'm sure it was a Super Six, or maybe it was just a Super Reverb. So it's Six by like, Ten. It's not Super. It's not a not a. Six. It was busted, and right. the guy wanted to ship it to India. I remember 
he was like he lived in the uk but he had family there and he was like i really want it and we were like if you pay for the shipping like we will send it but it's it, it was so heavy and it yeah. was massive and it was a, a 70 silver face one as well. So oh, it had like fantastic. Big old in it. I don't really know anything about the Super Six. I've obviously seen them around, but I really don't know much about them. I don't think I've ever heard one in person or no, been I've, anywhere I've ne- that's had I've one. I've never heard one. But so basically, a, um, a Super Reverb is, a, is another 4x10. Um, so basically, it's like a twin. So it's, it's 45 watts. And essentially, it's a twin, but it has four tens instead of two twelves. And they're just, they're absolutely, mad. they're still current. You can still buy them. They're still, they're still uh, like, it's in the Fender catalogue and they're, they're absolutely wicked. And then the Super 6 is a 6 by 10 twin, essentially. Um, not twin, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever 6, <laughs> septuplet. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're, they're just, they're massive. They just, they sound so like ringy and punchy and oh, they're just, they're absolutely fantastic. But, you, you know, the fact that they're two grand, that, I mean, that's the start of your problems. You know, the, the bigger right. issue is the fact that you're trying to buy this amp that's, that weighs about 15 tons. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would say just getting it from your car to your house is a bigger issue, let alone shipping it to India. Um, yeah. So... I um I would I would just like to add to this as well one of my favorite Fender amps which I've not thought about for a long time until you asked this question and I was like oh yeah there was a run of Fender 65 twin custom 15s which was a yeah limited edition twin with a 15 inch speaker yeah and the vibrato sounded so swampy and so massive because of that 15 inch speaker and i was just like i remember hearing it because at the time i think it was only like i don't know 1199 or 1299 i was just like that guitar sounds uh that amp sounds absolutely ace but you're right that the old deville the 4 by 10 i remember trying one in my very first guitar shop and just being like it's great great clean channel um and more recently the ml um, Mike Landau. Yeah, was the same. That was four ten as well. I think wasn't it? Uh, so I no, I don't think that was four ten. I, I could be wrong. I thought that was a two. I thought that was a a one twelve actually. Um, but I, I thought that was a great little amp because it just took away um everything, didn't it? It was it had like uh, oh, it was a two twelve. I just checked right, here. The okay. Mike Landau Hot Rod Deville yeah. two twelve. Very weird amp that because both channels were the same. Yes. So that there was no, yeah, yeah. You just set them up differently. Yeah. Really and um, slightly different Celestians in it as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah Fender that's... have definitely done some absolutely killer, like limited ones. But I'd say mm. the custom, the custom fifteen. Yeah, that was a cool amp. Very cool. Yeah, very cool indeed. Matt Knight. Um, I don't know if you can answer this second question. Um, one of the questions we got asked was, can you offer examples, tricks or tips of how to integrate a loop switcher like the ESA with within a large pedal board, one that has more pedals than loops? Yes, I can. And I'll make it relatively quick because it could go on for hours um there's a couple of um there's a couple of things that i would suggest so obviously the the common problem um <laughs> say common problem that a lot of people have when they go to an es8 is that they have more than eight pedals so you go well what 
you know, I got a loop switcher so I could, you know, have all my pedals in loops and then turn them on and off individually and make combinations and whatever. Um, so what it, what options do you know can you use? And there's a couple of things that I use. One is I've got some pedals that are MIDI controlled, so you can turn them on, on and off via MIDI. Um, but the best solution in um, my eyes is buying something like the Morningstar ML5 switcher. So that's an additional five loops, true bypass loops, that are controlled via MIDI. So if you're using an ES8, um, you can run all your pedals in, in your eight loops, and then before or after or anywhere in, in the signal chain, you can run out into this ML5 loop switcher, and you've effectively got five more true bypass loops i understand so each patch is actually whilst it's turning on say loop one of eight it's turning on loop one of eight and then patch two of yeah, the uh, yeah. five so, afterwards you know Wonderful. say if you ran guitar into the ml5 and then into your es8 you'd have five pedals on five different loops and then you have an es8 with eight loops and you can send a midi message to the ml5 to say turn on any one of those first five so um that's a good way to to really expand your pedal boards that's a fantastic solution that i i know sounds very obvious to you because you're so midi centric but to me as someone that, that sort of kind of stayed out of that sort of thing that that does actually seem like a and, very um, easy solution and our friend uh, james at bright onion also makes a more simple sort of analog solution which is a dual loop switcher uh, which is just an analog uh, two uh, true bypass loops that can be switched on and off um with a trs cable so you could plug a two button foot switch in and just flick between two settings or something like an es8 can do that remotely as well so that's that's what i do right now um and um i'm always happy to post a couple of examples in the facebook group or something about that'd that. be great but, um, i think you should because you, you often you i think you often come up with tricks that you think are just like oh there's the solution whereas actually for a lot of people i think there would be yes you know <laughs> real uh eureka moments so, but yeah, yeah um morning style make um, in my opinion the best midi loop switches at the moment if you want to expand your pedal board so have how a much is those. a morning star switcher they are um so you can buy them from thorpe um thorpe is actually the um european distributor for um for morningstar at the moment and i'm just having a look so their ml5 midi loop switcher is 199 well, that's, um, that's quite reasonable considering how much it allows you to do yeah and don't forget you know if you bought just a simple midi controller you don't have to have an es8 you can still have midi controlled five loops midi controlled so you could get an ms3 for example and expand it by another five loops if you wanted to do that um or you could even just buy a simple um you know behringer midi foot controller and you can just use that as a as a loop switcher so yeah it's a very versatile option yeah absolutely now um jay cross moving on to you um you've been asked how many gigs give or take a few hundred have you attended do you have uh, a list do I have a list? Yeah. So I, I actually started. I, I I started working on a list maybe like three or four years ago, maybe a bit longer than that. And um, I was just I had this intention. I, I, it's something that I've been trying to do for forever, and I just never did it basically. Uh, and then I I would constantly just say, oh well, you know, I've kind of been to been to too many now, so there's no point in me trying it again. And but, but anyway, I, I, maybe it was before. 
Yeah, so it's probably like four years ago I started like trying to put something together to just like get a list of all the shows that I'd ever been to. But like, it's very difficult because I mean, I stopped. I started going to gigs in like 2002, and obviously there's very little in the way of kind of internet, uh, uh, like archiving uh, from like small crap punk gigs in 2002 uh so trying to find any information on that sort of stuff's difficult but like um i've just i've just pulled it up actually just just before you asked that question and uh the list that i've got up there at the moment has got like 750 um so that's kind of i would say maybe like i i really don't know it's it's probably 1500 or so um there's like maybe a little bit less than that but like um there's like a couple of dark periods which i don't remember too much about like uh 2013 to 2014 where i was uh very depressed and very miserable and going out basically every night to uh gigs to watch bands that i didn't really care about um which is i think it's probably around the sort of time i saw polymath a few times actually but i'm sure that's unrelated but sure, um sure. yeah so i'd i'd say probably a estimate i'd say probably 1200 shows maybe wow. something like that um that's yeah that is your absolute expertise gig going that's like your superpower i just really like i like i really like cataloging stuff which is probably a bit boring to most people but um <laughs> yeah that's the one thing that kind of does annoy me is that there's there's just so much from kind of when i first moved to brighton so 2006 or so 2007 2006 um where i just you know i was got but there's just no record of anything and i'll never find it and it, at the end of the day it also doesn't matter because who cares except me so you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i guess okay so because you you've been to so many shows um how how much do you invest and do you invest in good earplugs is that something that's important to you because of how many gigs you attend yeah it, it is actually um and uh that's a that's a very timely question because i actually just lost my earplugs on saturday um they are always on my carabiner with my keys and uh i was on the beach and i must have just sat on them and lost them which is really annoying so but it is gonna spur me into buying some proper earplugs so i mean i've had tinnitus since i was probably 17 or 18 like i've had i've I've always had tinnitus i didn't look after my ears when i was a teenager i didn't look right. after them at all and actually i kind of saw it because i was a dumb punk child i saw it as a bit of a badge of honor being like oh yeah tinnitus wicked yeah i've been loud music yeah look at me and now you know uh where are we like twice my life on from that I am like you total Wally yeah. uh, because yeah, I've just, I, I actually thought, and I, I was thinking about it this week. I thought that this period where I haven't been going to any, it's been, you know, what, like nearly four months or so since, uh, since any, anybody went to a show. And I thought that it might've died down over this period, but it absolutely has not. So, so I would uh, recommend to everybody that they go and get some proper earplugs. So I've actually been looking at uh, getting some like molded uh, ACS, Oh, do you not earplugs. do you not use molded? No, I and I actually never have. I've just I've I've gone through different things in the past. Um I I used uh some uh the ones that I was using recently were just kind of some uh this 
they were they were they were actually a, a Fender earplug that was a, that was a prototype that that a product that never ended up getting made um, because they were going to be too expensive. So I uh, I've got I, I had those and they've gone. I don't think I'll be able to get another pair, which is a real drag. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but before that, I've used um, I used the Etymotic earplugs. They were really good. Etymotic, a really interesting company. Uh, they 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 like claim to have invented the in ear headphone um, in like the eighties at some point. Right. And uh, they, so they were, they came from being a uh, hearing aid company. And um, so they're, they're like bread and butter had always been like hearing protection and kind of research into ear health and stuff. So their earplugs, the ER20s are really good. And I, I really rate those. Um, and other, other than that, I've, I've used all sorts of stuff. The Alpines, which were like just kind of your classic guitar shop, 20 quid earplug. But no, I've, I've never, I've never gone down the route of molded earplugs. It's, it's something that's creeped me out a little bit, but I think, I think I'll do it. You, you've got them, don't you? You've got them with your, with some sure SE215s, right? Uh, well, uh, no, actually, I use um, SE215s just as my standard, just, yeah. it, it, like, headphone. But, yeah. yes, I also use them in a studio instead of having over-ears. But, uh, but no, for I, I have those always on my belt, and I sometimes forget my earplugs, which is why sometimes it shows I'll use oh, the 215s because okay. right. they're quite good at being noise-cancelling. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I do have a, a, a set of moulded ACS earplugs. And the great thing about... Um, about those is you can you can change the filters. So when I yeah. originally got those made, I had them uh, made at a 17 decibel cut. But I found as a bass player because bass frequencies tend to be the first thing to that you lose, I guess, as stuff gets quieter. Um, I found I just couldn't I, I couldn't hear myself enough in comparison to everything else. So I changed them out for a 10 decibel um, filter, um, which which was you know which was perfectly good and fantastic for sort of but they i i thoroughly thoroughly recommend molded earplugs to anyone yeah i know it's a it's an expense like it's it's whatever it is 130 150 quid for a for a set of molded earplugs i know that's a that's a, a, a relative amount of money to spend out when you you know for something that doesn't have cool lights or six strings you know yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, no it's, it's definitely worth it it's it, you know it's the same as it's the same as what we say about all sorts of stuff you know like it's boring spending 150 quid on a power supply but you know we've all done it because it, because well actually because it's not boring to spend 150 quid on a power <laughs> but um but it's uh you know it's important to do and and it's same it's the same with the pedal board like you know people go out there and they spend 200 quid on a angled piece of metal and it's like well you know that's not exactly sexy and cool is it but like it is important to have and um and actually ear health is even more important than any of those things uh because you you only get two and once they're gone they're gone so i um yeah i i, I absolutely so i guess if if there's any uh, any podcast listeners have any recommendations of anything else any other uh molded earplugs please let me know because i am happy to spend a bit of money and get it done get it done properly there you go. Good thinking. Now uh, we, we've, I tell you, we've got time for one more question, but we've hardly got through this list of questions at all. So you know what? Next week, um, uh, I think we're markless as well. Next week, so maybe we'll actually continue these questions for Matt and Jay because I think they're pretty good and they've brought up some great discussion. So let's do, let's do one more and let's do a question that both of you will get a turn to, uh, to answer. I guess it's the question is, um, if if you had to build a Fender slash Boss free rig 
um, what would it be? What would you use? And I guess, I, I don't know, how do, how do we do that? Should we say, you know, Jay, if, if you weren't playing a Fender, what would you play? And, and Matt, like if, if you... If you had to build a board of basics and, and not have anything from Boss, what would it be? I guess we split it out like that. We could do that. Jay, do you want to go first? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this is actually fairly easy for me because I have been on, I've been keeping my eyes open for a uh, nice plain top Les Paul standard. Oh, you have, and you have passed up some. I know, I know, I've passed ones. up a couple. But the problem is, Joe, is I'm not sure if you're aware, but we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and so I'm just being a little <laughs> bit more careful about my uh, spending decisions. And yeah. it doesn't seem like it. It seems a little frivolous to be, um, to be going or when I'm a bass player. You know what I mean? Like I've got all of these guitars here, but I do really, I do really want a really nice plain top. Uh, Gibson Les Paul standard from probably like I mean really like a, there was a wicked 70s one that I really should have bought and I just oh, I'm such an idiot but it's fine it's fine but I, I'm, I'm always on the lookout so um, yeah I would say yeah plain top Les Paul standard I used to have one I loved one. it we've talked about it a million times and yeah. um, I shouldn't have sold it but I did and uh, that's just what happens is we buy stuff and then we sell it because we're idiots and uh, yeah, so yeah, that into a, um, I guess if I'm doing a, a non-Fender amp, then I'd probably say a Marshall 1974X because they're just absolutely wicked. Oh, that's actually um, a great combo. Yeah, yeah. R- wait, what? The guitar and the amp? Or ju- the amp yeah, the, is a good the combo. guitar and the amplifier. Okay, yeah. I, also, I the amp is a good combo. Well. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'd probably go, I think that's a really, so a friend of the podcast, Dan Grace, has got a, uh, he's got a Marshall 1974X and he plays that alongside his, um, alongside his uh, Baseman 50 a lot of the time. And it's, yeah, what, what, a, what, a, what a rig, what a rig, what a man. <laughs> true that true that <laughs> what a rig what a man okay uh th- those were some great choices matt knight i want to hear i don't know quite how we do this right I guess, okay I, I, guess... I was thinking about how we with this this could be a potential way that it goes down okay um so i thought i would pick my so i'm, I'm sort of looking at my pedal board now and i'm sort of piecing it together i'm sort of rebuilding it at the moment i'm looking at the pedals that i use the most that i couldn't necessarily do without um so the first one's Boss DD2. Wait, um, what? Oh, yeah. what? I don't understand how you're doing Oh, this. so what I'm going to do is pick those ones and then I'm going to pick a modern day equivalent that I is a non-Boss Right, version. I understand. So, yeah, Boss DD2 for me. Um, I just think it's... And the thing about the DD2 is it's basically analog. <laughs> um, it's just... It's one of these really old big old delay chips in it um that we used back in the uh, early rack days and it's got a particular sound to it. it doesn't have the kind of uh high um sort of quality repeats that a modern digital delay has so if i couldn't have that and i had to pick a, a delay pedal that wasn't available now that you can still pick up relatively cheap which i think is a good alternative is the ibanez d7 which is definitely going up in price at the moment because it's um I think people are starting to realise it. It has a magical tone all of its own. Um, but if I had to buy a modern day sort of delay pedal, that sort of covers a lot of those features. And one that I've got here, which is very good, is um, the the Lucky Cat or the what was previously the Pink Panther from JHS. I thought oh, yes. it was very, very good. Uh, super simple to use. 
based on that kind of DD5, uh, DE7 sort of vibe. Um, if I wasn't necessarily just going for the digital thing and I just wanted a really good um, delay pedal that wasn't Boss, I would probably say the El Capistan. Oh, that is good. Um, just, you know, again, Strymon El Capistan, just a fantastic um, delay pedal. Now, the other one is my Boss FZ2 Hyper Fuzz, which is based on a Univox Super Fuzz, which is an old 70s um, fuzz pedal. Uh, now, Behringer actually make a clone of this, which people have been raving about um, quite a lot. But I actually think that one of the other hidden gems out there is the Dan Electro French Toast, uh, which is a very, very similar circuit. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it was almost exactly the same circuit. Uh, that Univox Super Fuzz, which is basically a sort of um, germanium-style fuzz with an octave up. So, you know, when you sort of go for those um, high-up bends, you get that kind of ring modulator type of vibe. Right. Um, now, if you wanted a modern-day equivalent that you could just pick up and use right now... I would actually go for a slightly different um, route. I would go for a fuzz pedal that you really like, and then I would pair it with a passive octave up pedal. So I would go for something like the Bigfoot Engineering King Oof. Fuzz Ooh, and then pair it with their... Um, their um, what's it called? Octopus. The, the Octopus. That's it. I was thinking of the Octopus Prime, which is actually both of them in one box. Um, but I like the versatility of having it on two different buttons. Um, so you can add the octave in whenever you want. But yeah, something like the the the, the um, King Fuzz. King Fuzz? Fuzz King. King I, Fuzz. Uh, I, I don't King think Fuzz. we can mention Bigfoot Engineering without just, uh, without just quickly talking about a photo that surfaced this week. Oh, I should probably put it in the group. You should absolutely put it in the group. So a, <laughs> uh, a, a, a photo from an ex-colleague of ours uh, from GAC surfaced this week of Matt and uh, Reese from uh, the aforementioned Bigfoot Engineering from uh, before he was doing that when he was just working at GAC. And this actually, this predates both Joe and I working at the shop. This is from like 2008. And uh, Matt it and Reese. It predates GAC being called GAC. It's when GAC was the guitar uh, amp and keyboard uh, centre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, can't. Okay, yeah, not not really, but yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But they, um, sorry, I, I got I got caught up there, and I just <laughs> had flashback of moments of people being like, actually, it's guitar and keyboard center, and me being like, okay, whatever. <laughs> sorry, um, but yeah, it's a it's a great photo of Matt and Reese just stood there in the middle of a uh, in the middle of the Epiphone Les Paul section, and honestly, it looks like you could have but both been like smoking cigarettes it like it really does it really just looks like you're just stood there just like whatever leave me alone um, it's, um and it's, it's I, a fantastic picture 2008 i mean you're just like we were so young we knew so little um and also what i love in the background <laughs> guitar wise there's a pirates of the caribbean epiphone les paul <laughs> and the airstreamer which was the the Epiphone that was um, shaped like one of those Airstreamer caravans. Oh, yeah, and, of course. And the guy who bought it, I remember because it hung on the wall for ages. The guy that bought it, we were like, what are you going to do with it? He was like, I own an Airstreamer. It's a recording studio. I'm going to put it in there. We are just like, Brilliant. Good old boy. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I was trying to work out when I actually started. Um, did I start in 2008? 
I think I started in 2007. So I've probably right. been there about a year. Um, but yeah, wow. Just good times. Great photo. <laughs> Great photo. Yeah, get it up in the group there, Matty. I will do. I will do. Excellent. So wait, were you done with your list as well, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Just okay. big for engineering, King Fuzz. Um, and yeah, they're, they're octopus, I think, if you want a modern day sort of octave up fun with your fuzz. Very cool. Well, that uh, that pretty much brings us to a close of this week's free episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast then. Um, you can, of course, listen to an entire extra episode of Guitar Nerds every week over on our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You can find that in the description of this podcast also. Um, this week, last week, we finished Mark's series, Gear There and Everywhere. Um all about the Beatles gear. Obviously, listener, if you haven't heard that and you are a Patreon member or if you want to become a Patreon member, you can go back and listen to that entire series. Uh, but this week, uh, we'll start a new uh, mini-series, another four-part series, this time with just me. And uh, this one is... Um, uh, this one is called the... 19th... Yes, I changed its name last minute. Oh, I forgot what it was called then for a minute. This one's called The 1979 Club, and it is all about each week I'm going to be taking five pieces of equipment made before 1979, um, and I'm going to be talking in depth about each of them. And they're always going to be, there's going to be a theme that ties the five of them together, and it's always going to be weird, unusual, hidden gems um, cool. from our history. Um, but yes, for the uh, for the first for the first episode, I guess, you know, simply because um, of, you know, what I do outside of Nerds with the Harlequin Guitar Club, I'm talking a lot about... Uh, oh, vintage. I see. I see what's going on here. No, no, no. I don't think it was going to... Yeah, basically, I've got, this, uh, I've got, I've got this, old, this old piece of junk that I can't shift, so I'm going to do a podcast episode about it. Right, right. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. No, but I, I talk about lots of stuff. I talk about Japanese and American vintage guitars. It's basically, I, I, I essentially am talking about the best vintage guitars that you can buy at the moment for £500. So think of it, listener, as a buyer's guide to your sort of introduction to um, weird vintage guitars. I was uh, pretty happy, happy with it. So give it a listen. Um, and to do that, you can become a Patreon supporter. You can do that at three tiers. There's a dollar tier, which gets you this episode ad-free and early every month. Then you have the five dollar tier which will allow you access to all our our back catalogue of episodes as well as getting the podcast ad free and early and the ten dollar tier um which means you get all of those things plus your name gets sung in the podcast outro song which i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna change the song up soon maybe like a mid-year um song change coming soon so we'll see, we'll see about that yeah multivox you what oh, me yes. don't worry yeah okay very well and speaking of mid-year you know it's coming up for us to we, we normally we would be doing the uh, gear of the year halfway point um yeah we'd, norm we'd normally do that in about in about a month's time <laughs> uh, we could do that for all the sort of five things that have been released this year <laughs> it'll be a it'll be short episodes i'm sure um anyway uh, you can follow us on all the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds and join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Cheers, gang. Bye. Simon.
you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.